and welcome to the Company Watch on the Spot podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, financial and commercial risk analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. Just we are good afternoon. Just, just for good afternoon. I think we just ticked over into 12 o'clock. We're recording today's episode on Monday, the 31st of January. And today's main topic is going to be Companies House um, reform. Um, I suppose this is particularly topical because this time a week ago, almost exactly, um, there was a pretty sensational um, resignation in the House of Lords at the dispatch box. Lord Agnew, who resigned as Minister of State, uh, the Cabinet Office and the Treasury. Um, And really the thing that was driving the, the resignation, as we found out, was the fact that the economic crime bill, which was um, due to be coming in next Queen's speech, allegedly you don't know really know what's going to be in the Queen's speech until nearer the time, but there's been lots of, um, of momentum around this economic crime bill um, that had been withdrawn from the, the legislative programme. And Lord Agnew was very upset about this. And the reason our listeners will be concerned about this in particular is because that was going to be the vehicle for Companies House reform, which is something we've talked about quite often on this podcast. So Nick, I, I've got lots of um, lots of background, but I, what's your first what's your first take on on this news and and what's happened? Well, I'm not quite sure whether it's possible to be um, utterly gobsmacked but not surprised um, about something. But that's that that was roughly where I where I was coming from this uh, on on this. And of course, uh, I, I look at this from the angle of spending what seems to me to be a lot of my life, um, digging around in the nether regions of corporate structures and ownership, beneficial ownership issues for, for journalists and, and various broadcast um, media, um, you know, where the whole business about um, secrecy and uh, tax avoidance um, is, is such a big thing. And, of course, it's, it's curiously... Um, Topical, particularly because of what's going on about Ukraine, and we've got um, the redoubtable and now much more deeply voiced um, uh, foreign secretary running around um, threatening Russia with sanctions and you know death, death, and and who, who knows what else from financial um, deprivation uh, at a time when, frankly. London, or the UK, but London in particular, must be getting very close to the point from a kleptocrat and an autocrat uh, point of view as being almost as attractive a place to put their money as an offshore tax haven or even the world's biggest um, uh, offshore tax haven, which is, is, of course, Delaware, although the Americans wouldn't admit that. No, um, quite. And, and, oh, this is interesting because I think even, even before the resignation, I, I kind of lost my timetable a little bit. There was a quite a, a long report from the Centre for American um, Progress, wasn't it? The kind of think tank in um, in Washington. And, and that had picked out the fact that the UK's ability to really be helpful in terms of um, Russian san- sanctions has been really quite badly affected by you know the moniker is it London grads I think there are various or the, or the London um, laundromatters the London as, as I've heard it uh, described and, and I think that the quote that, that stands out for, from that from that report is that the UK in particular has become a major hub for Russian oligarchs and their wealth with London great gaining the moniker London grad um, uprooting Kremlin-linked oligarchs will be a challenge given the close ties between Russian money and the UK's ruling Conservative Party, the press, its real estate and financial industry. So it just shows 
actually that there is a there's a kind of deep kind of structural problem with with the UK as a, this kind of hub for being able to um to 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 use the corporate structures and as you say this kind of this ability to to hide behind shell companies and various other um, things and the company's house reform was designed to, to address that that problem. aimed at that and of course it's worth remembering that um the uh conservative government i mean to be fair it was the coalition government i think um you, you pointed out to me joe at the time back in 2015 was banging on about um uh, introducing measures so that the beneficial overseas ownership of property in the UK yeah. would be publicly available. Um, and, and that's a key element because we know where so much of this yeah. um, dirty money goes. And um, also interesting today that um, there is a leader in The Times by Edward Lucas, um, who is a long-time anti-Russian campaigner, but also very much involved in exposing some of this dirty money um, traffic that uh, goes on. Um, And and this leader is headed, I think, from from memory, um, the UK is addicted to dirty money. And it's and it's hard to argue with that. And 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 I think if anybody is interested in looking into this in a wee bit more detail, um, there's a journalist who's been a campaigner also on this uh, topic, uh, Oliver Bullough, or Bullough, yeah. I'm not sure how he pronounced it, um, who wrote a wonderful book, um, but an upsetting and disturbing book called Moneyland, a couple of years ago, and is due to publish another one fairly soon which looks very specifically at London's role in the handling of dirty money. And he's, um, he, he wrote quite a long article in um, The Times, I think, on Saturday. Again, we've got a link um, to that that we can, um, that we can share. And it is worth, um, it's worth reading that and, and connecting, really. And I think, you know, there is a sense that, that, that it's, it's big, organised crime that's, that's that's being facilitated by this but you know i think people in our um world are also massively impacted by the the issues with with companies house um and the the fact that it's you know i think one of our readers of the CICM magazine will be familiar with the name James Campbell who was quite dogged in campaigning for companies house to, to put i think it's probably 0.8 writing at the top of the screen to, to say that companies house doesn't verify information but that's a real problem and and, and the reforms were were aimed at giving the, the registrar more power to check reject and remove information on the and the register. I, I was just looking today at some of the um some of the directors. So we have um Jesus Christ, nationality angelic, country of residence, heaven, occupation, creator as a director at, at Company's House. And you know, getting some basic director ID verification, the the the, the ban on kind of corporate directorships, trying to to tighten up um the the scrutiny that 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 people who are running businesses need to be under and, and, and putting um, some more checks around the, the financial information that's filed at, at Companies House and linking up Companies House and HMRC records and so on. Um, it's really important. And I think it's also important to say that the, the people that, that I've come across who are dealing with this reform at Bayes and at Companies House and various other um, areas 
really want to try and and they're, and they're pushing as much as they can with the powers they currently have to, to look at pilot schemes to, to link up um, filings at, at HMRC to Companies House. So that's going on behind the scenes. But of course, other stakeholders who are, who are trying to, to do business and to work out where the risks are in, in doing business haven't got access to that information. And it's really important that, you know, as much as we can, we we put pressure on, on the government to um to, 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 to do a U-turn. I think that's a, f- a fairly familiar um, thing in this government, but to bring the economic crime bill back and to and to really get that, that reform that's so, so desperately needed. And Joe, it's particularly um, relevant at the moment because you know the um, there is a huge amount of um, much talked about, but some of it actually happening, um, foreign direct investment in the UK. And, you know, if you think about all the major deals that have happened or are in the process of happening, where um, offshore or American-based private equity houses are gradually infiltrating major industries like the supermarket um, uh, industry. Now, knowing who is at the end of the ownership chain is absolutely crucial from the point of view of people who are engaging with with those businesses the other side of that is the supply chain where more and more businesses are being forced into coming away from trading in europe and going to places they've never traded before and somewhere in in that whole supply chain conundrum you are finding um foreign owned british companies stepping in and exploiting these opportunities again People need to know who's behind mm. these companies. They really do. And it, it, frankly, it's laughable that of all bits of legislation, this one should be delayed. Yeah, and I mean, I think I'm 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 picking up since the um, since the resignation there has been. I mean, maybe it's it's because of the things I read, but there there does seem to be more and more comment in mainstream um, media and more press. And I I think in a in a fit of frustration, I think I put a LinkedIn with a suggested letter to MPs to to, to write to actually just you know because what else can we what else can we do? do? We can engage at all levels, but actually you know writing into to, to MPs to express frustration of this is is a pretty um, a pretty useful thing to do, I think, just to 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 make sure that there is some um, there is some more pressure, and, and it's frustrating, I think, as well, because there was not only cross party support but cross governmental support, yes. um, and and that was actually one of the, the the things that came out of COVID was the spotlight that it shone, you know, and we've obviously the the the, pre, the pretext for the the agony resignation was all around fraud and the, the lack of checks, and it shone a spotlight on the, the importance of of good quality verified company information and it yes. felt like a real opportunity that you know we were going to learn from what happened um with with that, that money going out of the of the door so quickly that we would actually have a, ch- a chance to um to make some real improvements so we will be watching this very very closely um and no yeah. doubt coming back to it um, maybe getting a few guests who might want to <laughs> to talk us um <laughs> talk to us about about this um Let's have a look at a couple of other things that are in the news. And I think that the the, the thing that we should really talk about is insolvency yes. um, stats, <clears throat> Nick. We've got we had the numbers for now for 2021, which yes. make interesting reading. Yes, they, they came they came out last Friday <clears throat> and they highlighted um a continuing <clears throat> a trend that's been happening throughout the, the second half of 2021, which is 
we're starting, the numbers are starting to climb. We all know the background to, to this, that, you know, with so much, um, so many reasons why creditors can't enforce um, and winding up petitions not um, able to be used. Clearly, the the only game in town for insolvencies, apart from the occasional administration, has been uh, CVLs. So yep. voluntary liquidation. So let's have that as the background, but I'm going to come back to that in a moment. So 2021, we now have the numbers. There were 14,048 company insolvencies, and that's 11% up on 2020, when there were 12,600. And nonetheless, we are below the 2019 level, mm. which was 17,000 and, and a smidgen. But here's the thing. Um, looking first of all at sectors, two sectors had a much higher increase 2021 to 2020, which is scientific and professional activities were up 35%. Right. Okay. And construction is up 25%. You know, poor, that's always a canary, isn't it? Construction. Yeah. It always is. But now here's the thing CVLs are the only game in town. CVLs in 2021 were higher than 2019, not by a lot, about 5% or so, right. 12,700 or so. But the figures for the last quarter are interesting. Q4 2021, the highest quarterly level of company insolvencies since Q3 2012. Wow. But again, let's come back to CVLs. The Q4 2021 CVL figure is the highest quarterly number since records began. Since records began, wow. which effectively is 1987, if you're going to talk pure CVLs, because um, that's sort of when they were invented. Um, so that that suggests that although December was a funny old month on its own, uh, as it always is, because, uh, you know, you... The, the courts weren't operating, not that they were yet getting into, into compulsory winding up, but that will come in January mm. and February. Um, but in a, an awful, not much happens in December. But nonetheless, that quarter is a real harbinger of things to come. And, and one of the things we'll, we'll perhaps come back to another, another occasion, there's a really odd thing happening with CVAs. Now, I know CVAs aren't the most favourite topic of a lot of creditors because some of them fail. And if you are a landlord, um, you have been ritually abused for a number of years. Absolutely, yeah. Um, through the CVA route. Now, here's the thing. In December 2020, the government restored Crown preference, um, allegedly to uh, uh, enable the Treasury to recover an extra £185 million a year through insolvencies. Hallelujah. There is some suggestion now that that's actually killed the CVA because it will come, you know, I've written a blog about it, which we can perhaps link to, and maybe we'll talk about it in more detail. But the answer now is you can arrive at a situation where a CVA is proposed where the where HMRC, because it has preference, has to get 100p in the pound before mm -hmm. anybody else gets anything. They could agree to less and... You know, there's. I've got a lot of um, people in the insolvency world out there beating the bush to find out what HMRC are doing. Not clear yet. 
So you could have a situation where an ordinary supplier is stuck in the CVA where they might only be getting 5 or 10p in the pound or maybe nothing at all. Mm. HMRC is getting most of its money back. But here's another thing. In What else happened in 2020? In June, yeah, Siga, we had the SIGA, Corporate Insolvency and Governance, Governance Act, Act. Called, um, where you're now a supplier in the CVA, which you may not have voted for or you were outvoted by um, the um, by HMRC. You're getting no money, but of course you have to continue yeah. to supply on the same terms. Yeah, and this is this is really interesting. You know, it'd be interesting on the the, on the insurance, um, the credit insurance side of this, because I'm hearing that actually, credit insurance, once a company goes into a CVA, very likely that the limits will be pulled on that. So suppliers will be then obliged to continue supplying with no insurance cover. I know, I know, and and uh, I suppose my plea in all of this, I mean the the. Um, credit insurance angle is something that Joe knows so much more about than I do, but you know something that I, I hadn't thought about. But here's the thing: um, I think the answer here is that if the ordinary unsecured creditors push back in the CVA, I think HMRC will bend and will not insist on getting 100p in the pound. And might well take, you know, bear in mind in the old days, they were happy if they got 30p in the pound. That was their threshold. You know, they really? wouldn't agree to okay. CVA unless they got 30p in the pound, broadly speaking. You know, this is back in the mists of time. Um, so I guess my plea is if you find yourself as a um as a credit manager on the wrong end of a CVA proposal, which looks as though it's aiming to shaft you and favor HMRC. For goodness sake, don't just throw it in the bin and say, I've got better things to do. Engage with the mm. process. Because uh, uh, creditor apathy in CVAs has always been a problem. I remember when I was an active IP, um, trying to get uh, ordinary suppliers to bother to vote and to even read proposals was a nightmare. Now, what interest have they got yeah. now if they're going to be if they and of course it's worse at the moment because HMRC has bigger debts because of all the deferrals and the time yep. to pay. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I shocked Joe earlier by telling her that one of my um insolvency friends uh, tells me that it is now commonplace for companies to agree time to pay deals with HMRC that last five years. I mean that is shocking, okay, isn't it? It's just I, on top, I, I, and presumably I this said, is on top I, I, of things like the bounce back loans or the, the C build loans, and I, I mean, it's, it's the old bulging balance moment, the bulging liabilities moment. Um, you know, I, I, I said to this uh, this friend of mine, I said, "That's not a TTP, a time to pay. That's an ETP, eons to pay." <laughs> I mean, so, anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll talk more about this whole um, CVA thing, but I've done a bit more research, and and but, we know yeah, a bit I mean, more about it. It's interesting to see, to just to see that that is starting to fall off a cliff. From looking at your breakdown of numbers, yes, because in in 2019 there were 355 CVAs, in 2020 there were 278, and in 2021, first year after Crown Preference came back, 115. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because it's not been, by any stretch of the imagination, a normal year no. for, for these kind of things. So I think we will have to see really what happens 
in 2022 and beyond. But it's yeah. it's interesting that already, you know, we're starting to see that 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 fall away. And yeah, it's it's no. The, the, the point of the CVA is that it can allow businesses to, to get yep. through a period and to come out the other side. And, you know, yep. in, this, in this period where we're really trying to get the economy um, back on track and, and, and kind of growing our way out of, um, out of the COVID period, if you start, if you're closing off avenues and, um, and I think I remember uh, talking to some of the, 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 the people who work in, um, in the cabinet office about exactly how, the kind of delicate balance that the government has because on the one hand if they are not um if they're not getting paid on the one side and they then they make processes potentially fail they have to pick it up on the other side in in unemployment and um and, and other things so there is that real the government it finds itself in a very difficult position so trying to navigate through in the best outcome of a of the kind of economic greater goods is going to be where but actually we know that they're very under-resourced and whether whether mm. there is that thought um going through about the the kind of approach to um to these kind of um cva questions is to, to something to be seen yeah. i guess good thank you um i suppose the last the last thing is a little kind of reminder to everybody we're expecting bank of england um interest rate decision on thursday of this week nick what's what's the current thinking on Markets, where we might end up um, Certainly the the buzz on social media and in the media generally um, is that it will be a rise from 0.25 to Mm 0.5 and an expectation that there will be two more rises between then and May. Wow. Taking us to 1% by May. But the market got it completely wrong (laughs) two MPCs ago when it thought they were going to raise and they didn't and then got it even more spectacularly wrong in December when they thought they were going to raise, and they did. So it's anybody's uh, guess, really. Anybody's guess. We'll <laughs> but, see. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Well, Nick, thank you. As always, pleasure to um, to talk about these these issues with you. I think everything that we've talked about today is certainly things, topics that we will come back to um, over the course of the coming weeks and, and months, no doubt. So thank you again, Nick. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Bye.